Welcome to week number four in our Future Family series. Last week we had guest speaker Josh Lipscomb that just did an absolutely great job talking about and challenging us, encouraging us to break out of procrastination. Of course, that was right on the heels of a girlfriend's conference, and uh, Josh's wife Kristen did a fantastic job with the girlfriend's conference, and we're so thankful uh, for the deposit they made in our church family uh, last weekend. And we're picking up this series again, Future Family. This is week number four. Next week we're going to conclude the series. I hope you'll make plans to be here for that. Uh, And we're going to talk about impacting the future, impacting our future family tree for generations to come uh, as we conclude this series. So that'll be next week. But but today I want to talk about and and just spend a little bit of time considering uh, really the war within. The war within, why is it that we have so many, so much conflict, disagreements in our families? And, and what can we do about it to, to not avoid the conflict, but really to move the ball down the field, to work through it so that in the midst of disagreement, we can actually progress in our families instead of our families become fractured. And so that's what I want to look at today. Primarily, we're going to look at one passage in the book of James, which gives just incredible insight into this war within of what's really taking place when you and I experience conflict uh, and disagreement and arguing in our families. And I've heard it said before, and it took me a while to learn this, uh, that a leader never wins an argument. You can make a point, but you never really win an argument. And isn't that true also in our families? You, You never actually win an argument you actually you might make your point but you know what in a family in an argument conflict disagreement everyone loses even the one who kind of pushes their agenda forward they lose as well and and so we have all different um, uh, ways of relating or handling uh, conflict and and what's interesting is if you're married chances are you married someone who's the polar opposite on how you, to handle conflict uh, in, in a resolution way in a family. Uh, you know, we have sulkers. You know how the sulker is. You, you think it's all over, everything's done, and it's how you're doing is like, I'm, I'm fine, I'm really doing great. Everything's super. Just kind of sulking. They're in the hole, and you have to say you're sorry before they'll let you down in the hole to help them out of it. Then you have screamers. My family, we were screamers. We just screamed it out growing up. In fact, I, I can remember uh, more than once my parents just encouraging me and my brothers, you go downstairs, close the door, and just work it out and come up when you're done. Generally, that means Greg was bleeding from the nose and possibly a black eye. But anyway, it was just screaming and yelling, and, and uh, you know that's the way that we worked it out. And when it was over, it was truly over. Uh, th- then there are those that are, uh, I- I'd say, pretenders or stuffers. Just push it down, push it down, push it down. Uh, Pretend like it didn't happen. Just go on as if nothing really happened before. Uh, This is kind of interesting. Susie and I got married. I came from a family of screamers. She came from a family of stuffers. When we first had our first disagreement, I think it was the only one actually. No, I'm just kidding. When we had our first disagreement, uh, it it was like oil and water. She was like, you lost your mind. What is going on? And I was like, you walked away and you closed the door. You shut yourself in the bedroom. That's not right. And so generally we tend to marry these polar opposites. Then you have the peacemakers and you really can't even resolve anything because they're just like, it's okay. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. When it's not okay. Just peace at all costs. And then you also have, and the Williamson family growing up, we were a keen mixture 
of the screamers, and then what I like to call the litigators. We, we, we were litigators. You know, we were the attorney. We had, we had the opening argument. Then we had the, you know, all the evidence. And then we had the closing argument as well. And the litigators with screamers, quite the combo, particularly being married to uh, a stuffer. And so maybe you fit into one of those general kind of categories when it comes to uh, conflict uh, or conflict resolution. We're all different. We all have different patterns, things like that. But the one thing that we have that's the same is all conflict comes from one source. All conflict comes from one source. It comes from one place. And what we're going to look at today in the book of James, James, the half-brother of Jesus. In fact, it's pretty cool. Uh, Pastor Josh Lipscomb uh, taught out of the book of James last week, and, and here we are again. It's a real, real practical book written to Christians, so important to remember that. It's not written to those that don't know Christ. It's those who do about how we're supposed to live life together and work out life together. And so we're going to be in the book of James today, and what we're going to find is God gives supernatural wisdom and insight to James into why all conflict happens, all problems happen, and what the source is of every single conflict. And I know you may think, well, the source is my wife, or the, the source is my child. The source is, you know, that spawn of Satan that lives in the house with me. That's not really the source of conflict according to Scripture. So what is the source? Before we look at it, here's, the, here's, here's kind of the big idea today. Are you ready? Here we go. As long as you blame others for your happiness, you'll always be unhappy. See, as long as I say I'm unhappy because my spouse is not doing what I want, my child is not doing what I want, I, I'm unhappy because of someone else, what they did to me or what they didn't do to me, someone else in the family, and by the way, everything we're going to look at today pretty much applies across the board, but we're applying it to the family as we're looking at our future family charting a course for a better future of our family. As long as you blame others for your unhappiness, you'll always be unhappy. Because no one can bear the weight of that. No one can, can fulfill us inside. And we're always going to be unhappy. And so let's turn now to James uh, chapter 4, and, and again, supernatural insight that God gives to James about conflict and problems and quarreling. And he begins with a question. I think it's a great place to start today. And this is what he says. What causes fights and quarrels among you? What's the source? Is it your mother-in-law? Is it, is it your child? Is it your spouse? What's the source of quarreling. Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? That's why the title of this message is The War Within. The source of all conflict, the source of all fighting, quarreling is in me. It's not someone else. And that's why when I blame others for my unhappiness, I'm always going to be unhappy. Because I never take a look inside and realize, what's the, what causes fights and quarrels amongst us? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? They come from inside. And then he goes on and he says, you desire, but you, but you do not have, so you kill. 
Well, none of us have probably committed murder. But think about this. With our words, we kill all the time. We destroy members of our family and completely kill and and tear down their self-worth with our words. We can hurt them so deeply that even when we say we're sorry, it doesn't change anything because we can't take back the words that we spoke. Also in the book of James, it says, the power of life and death is in the tongue. And we kill members of our family, those that are closest to us with our words. No matter what we say later, they can't be removed. We kill. Some of us have have killed relationships because that person that we wanted to fulfill us could not do what it is that we wanted them to do. They couldn't be perfect, just like we're perfect. And so we kill relationships. We tried to criticize them into changing. We tried to shame them into doing what it was that we wanted them to do. We tried to demean them anything we possibly could to get them to do what we wanted them to do to make us happy. And it didn't work. All because we wanted them to do something that they couldn't do or they wouldn't do for us. And so we tear them down and we destroy relationships left and right. Many of you are adults today and you left home Because your parents were trying to get you to do something you were unwilling to do. Some of you as teenagers, you're thinking, man, as soon as I'm 18, I am out of here. Because my parents don't do for me what I think they ought to do. And you're going to kill that relationship when you do that. This is what James talks about. This is the wisdom of God, written over 2,000 years ago, still as powerful and life-giving today. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desire that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. And here's the second thing we do. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and you fight. You covet. This word covet, not necessarily a word that we use too much uh, any longer. Let me kind of unpack this word covet uh, for just a minute. This word in the original language of the New Testament, it means the desire to have something for oneself that belongs to another. It's a craving or a passionate desire. The idea is conveyed in the New Testament uh, in Greek. The word literally means inordinate desire to have more. I want more. I want more love. I want more attention. I want more time. I want, I want, I want, I want more, 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 more. That's what this word covet means. And we see that all the time in our families. All the time. I want the car more often. I don't want to have to share the car with my siblings. I want more, 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 more. See, the fact about the matter is self is never satisfied. Self has an unquenchable thirst. There's not enough stuff. There's not enough relationship. There's not enough sex. There's not enough whatever for self to ever say, that's fine, that's enough. So we kill and we covet because it's all about us. We always want more. Our desires and our pleasures are not best dealt with through empty attempts to satisfy them through other people. 
that's not how ultimately the scripture teaches us that we're to handle those desires. Self has a natural tendency to try to squeeze happiness out of people that are closest to us in our families. You make me happy. I'm going to marry you so you will make me happy. Let's have children so our children will make us happy. And we squeeze them with expectations that no one can endure. Because the problem is not our kids, not our spouse, it's self. It's the battle within. It's the war within us. And so James asks the question, why do we argue? Why do we fight? Here's the reason why. We don't get what we want. That's why we do. We don't get what it is that we want. Actually, let's go back to the, to the previous slide here, back to James chapter 4. And, uh, and, and look, look at what he says. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You cannot get what you want. I want, I want, I want, I want. Why do we argue and fight? We don't get what we want. We don't get what we want when we want it the way we want it. That's where every argument, that's the source of every single argument in marriage. That's the source of every single argument, parent to child, child to parent. It's the source of every argument. We don't get what it is we want. See, my problem is that I feel like I deserve certain things. And when I don't get what I want, that I feel like I deserve, you know what? If I'm not happy, no one's going to be happy. I'm just talking about me. Of course, I'm not talking about you. I want what I want what I want. So many times we've taught us this with, uh, with our kids, and boy, this is, this is so important, parents. The whole, that's not fair mindset. But that's not fair. What is this translated? I'm not getting what I want. No one is concerned about fairness when it's the other person. Have you ever noticed that? When you, when you get that parking space in the Galleria Mall real close to the door, you're not like, oh, I'm sorry I cut off those three people. Oh, man, I got it. They didn't. That's not fair. Let me just back out and give it to them. No. We're never concerned. Fairness is always when I don't get what I feel like I deserve. That's not fair. And it's the source of every problem, every single trouble. So what are we supposed to do? What, what are we supposed to do? If you're a Christian... What, what are we supposed to do? If you're not a Christian, if you're not a follower of Christ, I'm not sure what you're supposed to do because this is really directed toward those that are followers of Christ. But what are we supposed to do for Christians, those of us that, that are followers of Christ, when, when we feel like it's not fair, I'm not getting what I deserve, I, I'm not being treated in my family the way I want to be treated, my spouse isn't doing what it is that I want them to do, my child is not doing what I want them to do, I want, I want. You know what is a pretty interesting situation, you ought to try this sometime, next time you're in the middle of an argument, real heated, before it goes just, just total, you know, mushroom cloud nuclear, just call timeout and do this for just a minute. Just say, I just want, before we go further in this disagreement, I just want to mention something right now. I'm not getting what I want! Try it. It's a game changer. Just, just, I'm not getting what I want. I don't want this. Because that's the source of all arguments. 
That's just, and make sure you get your voice really high pitch like that too. I'm not getting what I want. You could try that right now. I'm not getting what I want because that's the reality. Whenever we're in a disagreement or an argument, we're always, it's all your fault. But the reality is, that's not the source of the disagreement. You are not my puppet that I can control, and I don't like it. That's the reality of the argument. That's the reality of the disagreement. It's the war within, that selfishness. So what do we do? How do we handle this as a follower of Christ? Well, let's pick up James chapter 4, verse 2 again. And it says very clearly, you do not have, why? Because you do not ask God. We, we, we never go to God. We always go to the person first. When, when I teach men, I always say this, men and husbands, fathers, you need to pray more than you say. You need to pray more. We're supposed to be Christians. That means a follower of Christ. That means God gets to hear it first before our spouse does. That means we, we share our heart with the Lord before with our kids we have to confront them in love. You do not have because you do not ask God. So here's the first question when you're in the middle of an argument or disagreement. Have you talked to God about it first? Before you talk to your spouse, before you talk to your parent, before you talk to your children, have you talked to God about it first? Have you spent time getting to the root of what really, really deep down inside it is that you want? You want a happy marriage? Instead of trying to squeeze your spouse into some sort of uh, person that you want them to be, have you talked to God about it first? Maybe he'd like to give you a little bit of insight why he decided to create them that way. Why he decided to give them that personality. Have you talked to God about that situation first? What about your kids? Instead of trying to force them into your expectations and your plan for their life, have you talked to God about it first? Have you talked to God about it first? The wife who wants her husband to be more like this, more like that, have you talked to God about it first and asked for his perspective and his opinion? What are we trying to squeeze out of our family members that you haven't talked to God about first? See, all of that is trying to put on other people, I'm not happy because of how you're acting, because of what you are doing or what you're not doing. Instead of, God, I'm not happy, and I want to share that, and I just want to open my heart to you, and I want to listen. And help, and, and, and hope that, that you're going to show me what is really going on inside. What's, what am I really struggling with? Have you ever just opened up your heart and let it all hang out before God? I, it's, it's hard. I, I know it's not the, the go-to thing. I'm praying that this message, God's going to bring back up to your mind the next time all the emotions and the energy and all that negativity starts flowing around. And you'll remember these words from Scripture in James. 
I, I can remember probably the most uh, punctuated situation in my own life when I just knew God was the only one I could talk to about this. It was when my mother, after being in remission of cancer, for, for almost two years, she called. I remember the phone call, and she said, the cancer's back. And, and I really feel like this time, the Lord's going to take me home. So, so don't pray for the Lord to heal me. I'm putting my house in order. That's what I feel like God's told me to do. I remember I hung up the phone, and I was upstairs in the house we lived in at the time, and Susie was on the phone downstairs came down the stairs and she looked at me and she said, you want to talk? I said, not to you, I don't. I need to talk to the Lord. And she said, all right. I remember walking into the backyard and just pacing back and forth and I said, God, don't you do this. Don't you take my mother from me. Don't do it. And just blowing it all out, opening my heart to the Lord. And you know what he said? I'm going to take her home. I'm going to take her home, Greg. You go ahead and cry. You pound your fist in my chest. You pull my beard if you need to. But one day you'll laugh again. And I'm going to be with you. And I'm going to get you through this. See, I had to have a, a talk with God saying, this is what I want and I'm not getting what I want. And the Lord had something to say. Greg, this is what I'm doing. And there's something bigger, a lot of things bigger going on than you realize. Trust me. We're going to get through this together. What's on your heart is important to God because you're important to God. You have inestimable value in the eyes of the Lord. That's why Jesus died. That's why he laid his life down. That's how valuable you are. That God loved you so much that he gave his son that if you'd only believe in him and receive him, that he paid the price for your personal sins and my personal sins, we'd have eternal life and we'd be forgiven. What's on your heart is important to God because you're important to him. I, I love how C.S. Lewis put it. He put it this way. God cannot give us happiness and peace apart from himself because it is not there. There is no such thing. There's no such thing as happiness and peace apart from God. And that's why our relationships keep messing up. That's why our friendships keep blowing up. Our family relationships keep blowing up all around us because we're trying to squeeze our happiness out of other people. And God says, you can't find it. Peace and happiness is only found in me. And then he goes on and says in James chapter 4, the next verse in verse 3, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. You ask with the wrong motivation. When I was walking around, pacing around the backyard, I didn't care about anyone. It was just me. It was just, I don't want this to happen. I I'm not getting what I want. The motivation was wrong. The motivation was wrong. It may be God's will not to give us something 
that will lead us down perhaps a harmful path. We need to learn how to take no for an answer from God. I, I can remember saying that to our kids when they were little. You need to, honey, you just need to learn how to take no for an answer. So many times as a grown-up, as a man, I've had to learn to take no for an answer from the Lord as well because I'm not getting what I want when I want it. It's not going the way I want it to. Not, it, it, God's not following my five-year plan the way I laid it out. We, learned, we need to learn to take no for an answer. So I know what the pushback is now, you know, as we're talking about this. Here, here's the question. If God won't give me what I want, why bother? If God's not going to do what I tell him to do, why bother? Doesn't that just sound crazy when you even hear it? If he's not going to give me what I want, why bother? It's, it's inside of us. It's that war within us. And James just goes on and on and talks about that. Here's the reason why. If God won't give me whatever I want, why bother? Here, here's the reason why we still need to go to God. Because as long as we try to squeeze out of family members what's not there, our happiness, we're going to cause conflict in our families. And there's, there's just, it's, it's like the stabilizer. When I go to God first, if you'll go to God first, if you'll pray before you say, it's amazing. There are some things that need to be said, but it's amazing how different that conversation goes because something's changed inside of me because I've spent time talking with him about it and listening to what he has to say about what's really inside of me. We need to go to God. The source of family conflict is really inner heart conflict. I'm not getting what I want. Admitting this can really revolutionize any relationship if we just take the time to just admit and, and, and you know what? I encourage you to do it in the middle of a, of a, of a discussion, in the middle of a, of a problem. Hold on just a minute. Part of what's happening here is I'm not getting what I want. And it just kind of changes. When you just acknowledge that, it just kind of changes things. It really does. We'll keep, quit blaming other people for our unhappiness and our discontentment. And it may be the very thing that enables us to surrender ourselves to the one that really knows what's best for us. So real quickly, kind of a summary here in James chapter four, verses one through three, he, he shows us three prayer problems. Three prayer problems, what is it? One is not asking, we, we just don't even go to God at all. The second is this, asking for the wrong things. I want God to do this, this is what I want. The third one is asking for the wrong reasons. Three problems in prayer. Maybe, it's one, maybe one of these reasons or all three are the reason why we struggle so much in prayer. We don't go to God first. We ask for the wrong things or we ask for the wrong reasons. God, I want you to follow my agenda instead of like, you're God. Maybe I should get on your, your agenda. So, so just a few questions as we, as we close. Do you talk to God first before you talk to your spouse? before you talk to your kids? I'm not saying don't talk to them, but do you talk to God first? I think that's a real practical step as we go from here.
today. When, when you do talk to God, what do you talk about? Do you only ask for things that will satisfy what you want? Or do you seek God's approval for plans you're already planning on carrying out? If you and I will go to him first and not just talk but also listen, as James says, go to him first, ask for the right things, and ask for the right reasons. It will powerfully change our prayers and allow God to change our desires inside of us that will align more with his will for our lives. And then we can go and we can talk to our spouse. And then we can go and we can talk to our kids. And it's amazing how different that is because we've gotten God right in the middle of the equation because we went to him first. I love how 1 John chapter 3 Verses 21 and 23 puts it, and I just want to conclude with this today. Dear friends, if we don't feel guilty, if we can come to God with bold confidence, why? Because He loves you, and He cares about you, and He cares about me, and He loves me, and we will receive from Him whatever we ask. Why? Because we obey Him, and we do the things that please him we do the things that please him that's the key that's that's the key to navigating through conflict and and problems and quarreling that james is talking about in james chapter 4 verses 1 through 3 we do what pleases him not what pleases me not i want i'm not getting what i want god what do you want what do, you, what do you want in my marriage? God, what do you want in my parenting? What, what do you want in my child's life? Help me to see your plan for their life so I can help them along that way that you've prepared for them. God, help me to see what's really inside of me so that I can be the, the spouse. I can be the parent that my child needs. I can be the spouse that my spouse needs right now to help them to fulfill your plan for their life. See, the fact about the matter is we can't always get what we want, but when it comes to God, we can always get what we need. And do you know what we need more than anything else? Grace and mercy. Grace and mercy. When everything inside of Greg is rising up saying, I'm not getting what I want. What I really need from God is grace and mercy. Say, Lord, help my heart. Help me to become more like Jesus. Help me, Lord, to obey you and to do the things that please you, not just looking at what pleases me. Help me to become more like you. Would you bow your heads with me right now? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word, the simple few verses that we've looked at today that really are the key. Lord, we we thank you that, that you cannot give us happiness and peace apart from yourself because it's not there. There is no such thing. Father, help us the next time we feel the 
blood pressure begin to rise and we're in the middle of a quarrel or a fight or a conflict and we feel like it's going that way with our spouse or with our kids, to just take a moment just to pull the reins back and to realize I'm feeling this way because I'm not getting what I want. Recognize our part to play. Father, by your Holy Spirit, remind us to pray more than we say, to go to you first, to open our hearts up to you and to share with you really what's in our hearts and then to listen. Listen to hear what you might say in response to what we've shared from our hearts. And Lord, that we would truly obey you and do the things that please you and as we do, we would find true peace and true happiness because we're following your plan for for our lives, the plan and the purpose that you created each and every one of us uniquely to fulfill. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.